Hello and welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. In this episode, we speak with Ben McCaffrey of Game Theory Group International. The company has a multifaceted approach to helping athletes perform off the field. They develop programs to help student athletes during school and with future careers, and they also help employers recruit student athletes. For more information, check out our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Enjoy! Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Technology Podcast. My name is Mike, and with me again today is Henry. Hello, listeners. And this week, our guest is Ben McCaffrey. He's with Game Theory Group, and he has a pretty interesting company. He's one of the co he is the co-founder, and we're going to have him on today and, and talk a little bit about what he's working on. So, Vin, welcome to the podcast, and could you just introduce yourself to the, to the audience and tell us a little bit about what you're working on? Yeah, absolutely, and, and thanks, Mike and Henry. It's uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I founded Game Theory Group five years ago, and it's this whole interest of helping student athletes, in particular collegiate student athletes, as they transition through college, uh, maximize all those academic opportunities they have, as well as per, as they progress out into the workforce, uh, helping with those transition. Uh, it's it's morphed a lot over those last five years, and it's evolved, but it's uh it's been a fantastic uh, ride so far, helping lots of student athletes uh, in, in challenges and opportunities they have in college athletics and uh, as they transition to the workforce. So, how did all this get started? Yeah, so a uh, great question. I, I I'm a former student athlete uh, myself. I played basketball in college. Feels like a long time ago, and uh, and I always had a passion for student athletics. My father was uh, in college athletics, uh, former college athlete. My my uh, family have all been around it, and uh, you know it's part of the. It's kind of in the DNA at this point. And after playing basketball in college, I went out into the workforce. And to be honest, I didn't I didn't get out of the gate like this. But as I've hired folks, what I realized is uh, a lot of them were former student athletes, and they did really well. And and they they had a certain instinct and uh, and a lot of great transferable skills. They worked well with others. They they worked well within a team. Uh, they communicated real well. They received feedback real well. And after a while, I started putting it all together and saying, geez, you know, it, it's it's maybe not an anomaly. These, The reason why they do all these things so well is it's it's something they've been working on for years and years and years uh, as they played sports. And um, it's not something that you think about often uh, in terms of when you're watching a game, whatever sport it may be. But are, those are the underlying lessons that uh, student-athletes do, do pull out and, uh, and great skills and traits that, uh, that progress not just while they're playing but well after uh, the playing days are done. Tell us a little bit more about that and kind of where that plugs into the student-athlete experience. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's morphed. Uh, initially out of the gate, we were more of a professional services organization helping college student-athletes here in the States uh, transition to the workforce. So we would have, essentially our customers were employers uh, around the country who were interested in hiring student athletes. Uh, it's pretty well known amongst those folks that hire college students. Student athletes had those transferable skills that I just mentioned. But they're pretty hard to recruit. Uh, when, when you go on campus, those students uh, might be a practice. Uh, you go to a career fair, students might be traveling to an away game. So the, the dots never connect, and it was a challenge. So we wanted to play a conduit to that. What we realized, though, going into it pretty quickly, is the opportunity was not only to connect the the actual employer to the student athlete, but it was also to actually help the the college athletic department. So pretty quickly, we started realizing there was an opportunity to assist 
uh, on academic performance concerns and issues and opportunities. Uh, from developmental standpoints, teaching things like self-leadership and, and, and actual practice around helping individuals with career transitions. So we did that by creating a software platform that we sell into college athletic departments, and it's got a couple of primary focus areas, uh, one being assessment, uh, the second being development, uh, which we perform through e-learning. And, uh, and it's been really successful. Uh, you know, out of the gate three years ago when it launched, we had six schools initially, and um, and right now we're we're working with over 30. So it's it's seen growth, and uh, and it's been really exciting to see. Going going back to when you um, when you first started working with companies, were there specific industries that were specifically looking for student athletes, or did you find that people were just looking for students with the qualities of student athletes, and you made that connection? I guess. Yeah, it's a great question, Henry. It's interesting. I, we thought there might be certain industries that relate more closely to student athletes. When you think of student athletes, uh, at least for me, I tended to think of outgoing and and, a, and and assertive individuals. So you think sales and marketing and and customer facing, if you will, and that was true, and that holds up. But what you also realize is when you look across the board at the population of student athletes. It really runs the gamut. You, it's a very diverse population that is, is studying topics and subjects that, that cover broad array of, of business and the sciences and, and traditional liberal arts. So as that relates out into the workforce, they really do go into all sorts of functions. And so as we started to really examine it, it there was no one particular uh, industry and there was no one particular job for that matter either. Uh, we've, we've had individuals transition into sales and marketing roles, uh, just like we've had individuals transition into the sciences, uh, teaching, uh, coaching. So various professions really lend themselves well to the student-athletes. It's those, it's those transferable skills that, regardless of what work you're going to go do, um, everyone likes folks who, who know how to communicate and who know how to manage multiple projects and know how to manage their time, uh, goal-oriented. Those are things that separate student-athletes from others. Or were there any unexpected traits or characteristics of student-athletes that you found interesting as you started to to really explore and dive into this connection of uh, kind of post-college employment and and athletics and, and things like that? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll answer in two ways. Uh, one with a, a, an anecdotal story in the second end. Um, it's interesting how we heard employers define communication, particularly with the millennial generation. Uh, communication is not just how they communicate outwardly, but it's inward as well in terms of how they receive feedback. Uh, it's, it's not uncommon that student-athletes, particularly collegiate student-athletes, have what I call a very unreasonable boss. Uh, those coaches, for four or five years while they're on campus, uh, expect quite a bit from those students, and, uh, and they're, they're demanding. So when that student transitions from college into the workforce, it's a, it's a seamless transition to go and work with someone who's equally demanding in a different way, but, but those demands are, are similar. So what we found is the communication and typically that constructive feedback that every new employee would go through, uh, and sometimes that's a hard conversation to have, student-athletes take that in a very great way. Uh, so that's, that's one thing that, uh, that continues to stand out that, that, uh, that feeds very well. And I don't think it's just student-athletes for that matter. I, you know, former military types, uh, I think the, the veterans have gone in and, and, and excelled in this as well. But 
uh, again, our wheelhouse is, is student athletics. Give you a funny anecdotal story though. A couple of uh, about a year and a half ago, I was in East Lansing having a, a, a drink with a couple of former student athletes who we've, we knew pretty well, and one was uh, in, in banking, uh, one was about to go work at Microsoft, and one was still in higher education. And it was a swimmer, it was a wrestler, and a gymnast. And we were chatting about this. And what was funny that came out of the discussion, uh, these folks were probably somewhere between 22 and 25 years old, so just re recently into the workforce. You know, I asked the question, when did they start their their actual sport? Because you think college athletics, you know, it's 18 to 22, 18 to 23. What's interesting is the, uh, the, 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 the least experienced one of the bunch started at age five, and, and that was the wrestler. Uh, the gymnast started at age three. The swimmer started at age four. So when you really start thinking about when some of these student athletes build their quote-unquote trade, uh, it starts at infancy. <laughs> you know, they're they're just starting to walk, and all of a sudden they're in the pool swimming. And and what you find, particularly with folks that have excelled and then made it into the college athletic level, these are individuals that have really disciplined and worked incredibly hard throughout their entire life, not just those four or five years. So uh, so I, I kind of joke around that college, in some ways, is like a finishing school for many of the student athletes. They're they're really refining themselves before they enter into the workforce which is where they can really take off and, uh, and exhibit those skills. But it's, it's something that always comes true to me that I, I realize these are individuals that are highly, highly disciplined uh, and competitive, and they've done exceptionally well for themselves, or they wouldn't be there. And, and that's regardless of the level that they're playing at. This isn't just playing at Division I, you know, which is considered the highest here in the States, Division I, two or three, junior college. If you're playing college athletics, you're working exceptionally hard and balancing a lot to be able to keep up with the demands. I'm, I'm wondering about the uh, the balance in, in college athletics now. Um, I'm from Eugene, Oregon, and they are somewhat famous for having a, a very um, charitable donor that contributes a lot to the athletics. And I've heard of that guy. Yeah. Yeah. It it seems it seems like um I mean just in, in some of the new buildings and facilities that they get that there can be an extraordinarily large amount of pressure on the athletes to be athletes first and, and students second. And um I mean that's I think I think the University of Oregon may be an exception, um, or maybe at one end of the scale, but I'm wondering how you've how you've seen that balance um change or shift and, and how that uh, how that works into the work that you're doing. So I think you're you're uh, you're very observant, I, and I think everything you men mentioned um, is absolutely true. When I think of you know, University of Oregon athletics, um, is it the exception? I don't know. I mean, I think having that donor, uh, you know, Phil Knight from Nike, be able to to support that athletic program like he has. Um, yeah, I mean, I think to the extremes, there, that might be a bit of an exception. But the reality of it is, there are those there are those scenarios happening around the country. Um, and, and so the balance, that, as you say, is, is, is hard. Um, you know, I often think about um, this conference. If you think about college athletics, you often hear about this conference realignment and the changes occurring in the NCAA. You know, the football and the basketball are, are what tend to get everyone's attention. They're the quote-unquote revenue sports. I have a, you know, I'm very empathetic towards, and I, even though I play basketball, the, the other sports, um, because so we recognize those individuals and, and, and the wonderful achievement they go on and do, the swimmers, the, the lacrosse players, the gymnasts, the wrestlers. 
But the challenges they have are significant because they're playing multiple times in the year. And, and quite frankly, at University of Oregon, uh, for example, I'm sure the, those football players are chartering to go to the away games. And, um, and I'm doubting some of those other teams are. Uh, and that becomes tough when they're, they're on the road so much. Uh, for example, I understand at University of West Virginia, the closest home game is over 800 miles away for in-conference. That's, that's challenging for a football team. It's incredibly daunting for a, a women's softball team who has to play incredibly amount, a lot of games a year and now are balancing the academics and they're not chartering. You know, they're, they're taking planes all over the country to be able to go play their games. So I really do believe there's been a loss of balance and, um, and we're passionate about, I don't know if we're going to be able to restore the balance. I, I, I don't know if we're, we're miracle workers that way. But we're advocates for student-athletes, and there's, there's no question. We want to provide what we consider to be called comprehensive student-athlete development. We want to be able to provide those opportunities to student-athletes to fully develop, take advantage of all those opportunities they're given, because they are given great opportunities and privilege. Uh, it's not to say that they're not, they're not working for it, because they absolutely are, but, but they are being given those great opportunities, and we want to help them with those, take advantage of them, because uh, those four or five years go fast. But back to that balance, it's hard, and uh, and the money that's involved in college athletics is at, at, is is I don't think we've ever seen it before uh, nationally, and I suspect it's only going to increase. So those pressures are not going to be going away, um, and I think they're going to increase and become more daunting. Uh, but the it's it's very important that we remained you know diligent in terms of the the opportunity to improve the academic performance and and improve the the career placement. This isn't just a challenge for, for college athletes. I mean, college students as a whole, the last four or five years, have really gone through some very tough times finding jobs upon graduation. You toss in the fact that you're a student athlete essentially working a full-time job and then some uh, as uh, during your, your coursework. It's hard to find a job. And, uh, and so you come out after your senior year and, and you want to talk about pressure. You've given it all you know, those four or five years there, and you pick up your head in the spring and say, okay, you know, sports are done, and that's a major transition for someone who's just lived and breathed their sport forever, and now all of a sudden they have to go get a job, but yet they're playing playing behind the eight ball because they haven't had necessarily the time to be able to go out and foster the relationships it takes to get a job in this day and age. I think that's pressure. I think that's a lot of pressure, and uh, and that's what we want to alleviate. Yeah, and you made the point earlier where some of these athletes are starting their sports career three, four, or five years old, and then it kind of ends when they're 23, 24, and then kind of your other career begins, and then they're at this point where they may have only spent a semester, a semester or two trying to to look at what they want to do post-college and, and with the kind of rest of their career, so it's a... Um, pretty sharp change that for a lot of these athletes to go through. So how does this work kind of more from the, the on, on the ground level, like with the coaches and, and with the athletic departments? Could you just kind of walk us through like an example case of, yeah. of how the, the, the software works? Yeah, no, please. I, I, I'm happy to. Uh, so in any one of the schools that we're working with, we typically find 100% participation of the, assessment offering that we have and, and what that assessment is doing is it's going 
trying to work with that student-athlete and help identify certain personality traits and interests and how that relates to an academic plan. Uh, college athletes come onto campus, and we know, uh, I was one of those students, that, that you, you choose a school not just because of the school, but because of maybe a coach or, or you know, the playing opportunities. It's not just around the academic rigors of that campus. However, they're there, and they've got to take advantage of those opportunities, and they want to do that in the right way. And because of the pressures of the time and the demands that they have, we want to make sure that's done in a real efficient way. So student-athletes in the schools that we're working with are fortunate in that they have these wonderful staff of folks that are inside the athletic department helping develop academic plans. Uh, and, and so they're doing that in, in conjunction with the university. So obviously there's, you know, they're, they're taking the courses in the different schools associated with that, that, that institution. Uh, but at the, at the end of the day, there's NCA requirements that need to be met as well. So thus the, the staff is important and critical to, to ensuring eligibility for the student athlete, but also uh, plotting out the right coursework. Our assessment methodology is giving a whole other set of insight into the student's uh, personality and self-awareness. So, so what that student's now being able to do is say, geez, there are certain interests that I have at 17, 18, 19 years old that I can now start to figure out and cultivate into a potential academic major. And, and the philosophy is pretty simple, right? If I'm studying topics that are interesting to me, uh, I'm going to work a little harder. I'm going to be a little more engaged. I'm going to be more interested in sticking around and staying focused through a four- or five-year curriculum that's building on strengths. And, and if, you, if you're familiar with that whole strengths movement, the, it, it, it really is progressive, right? So as you start those building blocks, it gets stronger and stronger. And cause, you know, at the end, it's, that's the idea of college, right? You're progressing towards a, that end. And, and what we believe is that's, that, that's a, that's a starting point into maybe advanced degrees, uh, graduate level work, which we see a lot of student athletes moving towards, uh, and then certainly into the workforce. But we don't want to just jump into the workforce just to jump into the workforce. These students that we're working with now have an opportunity that they've identified certain aspects of their personality. They've, they've gone out and studied those subjects and topics and become much more uh, of an expert associated with those. So as they think about their careers, they're much more focused in terms of what those professions look like. Uh, they're not just going to go. And, um, and that's exciting for us because now we see as they go into the workforce, things like retention rates and, and actual ability to apply expertise to certain professions. That's all improved. And, uh, and that's happening not because they figured out what they want to do at 22. It's because that process started at 18. It's very cultural, uh, the athletic departments we work with. They kind of shift, shifted away from just being programmatic to becoming more of a culture, how we approach academic planning. And academic planning and career planning almost become one. Uh, which is really exciting. So you're collecting a fair amount of data on these athletes, and have you looked at any other uses of that? Like maybe now that you're creating kind of some of these personality roadmaps, any broader like patterns that you could use, maybe for coaches or or other other people involved in the process? Yeah, out of the gate, as I alluded to. It, it was intended for the academic advising community. Uh, what we found is, uh, and we, we stumbled upon it, and I don't think we, were, we can give ourselves the credit that we knew it coming into it, but uh, we worked with certain coaches over the last uh, year, and they were very excited to see the information. I, won't, I don't think it was so much, I don't think they ignored it, but I don't think they were as focused on 
the academic interest of the individual, but we started seeing things like team orientation and group orientation and leadership. Does that individual like to lead or like to be led? Uh, and, and what we've learned from college coaches, and I think this has always been the way, but it's certainly the case today in this day and age of the pressures of winning. Uh, coaches are highly analytical in terms of how they they work with their, their players. They want to figure out what buttons to push, how to motivate, how to put student, certain students in certain situations, not just in a game, but in a practice scenario. Um, I always use the example, the team captain isn't necessarily the best player on that team, but they're the best captain of that team, and coaches need to figure those things out. So what we've helped certain coaches do, and more on a pilot basis, but you'll see this go into more of, a, more of a production mode this year for us, is we're giving insight to those coaches on their students uh, based on same similar type of assessment tools that the academic advisors are using. Um, but to your point, it's just uh, it's just purposed differently. I like the um, I like the, the relationship between sports and academics. And I, I was just as you were describing as you were describing um, it, <laughs> I was just kind of thinking of it backwards and. I'm wondering if wondering if um, if if there's any sort of kind of reverse transfer of information. So like you can you can kind of see what see what benefits come from from sport and from from the athletic side of the student and and perhaps consider transferring those to improve the the more academic side of an education. If that's is that something you've you've considered or yeah you well. And I don't know if I'm answering your, your question in the, in the right fashion. What we've considered sure. is the the type of information that we're uncovering uh, can become very predictive in this in this world of big data. Uh, if you think about what we're sitting on, for lack of a better term, is is we now know what key decision makers uh, are looking for in terms of how they want to make more informed decisions. So if I'm a college coach. That information of, of an individual and how they fit into the overall team chemistry is really important. Uh, where do they fit from a leadership standpoint? Where does an individual fit in terms of team orientation? Uh, do, they, are they, do they excel as individuals or do they excel as a component of a team? That's really critical. So theoretically, uh, and this is something we have in our plans, there are a number of companies that are helping high school students as they transition from high school athletics out into college athletics. We believe with our assessment methodology in particular, we can take that, that data set and, and take the process upstream to a high school student and have them go through that process. College coaches are very, very focused on where this individual is going to fit into the overall culture of their team. Today, that's, that's a challenge. There's, there's nothing that can give them that objective view in terms of what that student can do. We can do that. We can help them with that process. So, so we see that and how that would ultimately project out into, so their athletic, coming back to your question, their athletic uh, experiences uh, and, and work that they do on the field, on the court, how that projects ultimately to how they'll do in college. Uh, now, clearly, there's, a, there's an academic component as well, so which we'll, what we're also uncovering, which will assist them with that transition. Uh, so we see that from the high school to college. The real big one, quite honestly, and it's really fascinating to, to look at the data set, is when you're looking at what a coach is interested in seeing, if, uh, if I were to blindfold the coach and an employer, they're looking for the same exact information. Uh, and so what that coach is interested in and how that individual fits into the framework of their collegiate team 
that employer is, is interested in the same exact information on how that 22, 23-year-old would fit into their workforce. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting, and they have similar uh, dynamics. That college coach is, is, is taking on the risk equation of, of recruiting that high school student that ultimately will come on that college campus. Similarly, the employer is taking on the risk equation of hiring an individual from college to come into their employment. Both scenarios, you don't have a real full data set to make, you know, a great decision upon. There's, there's a leap of faith in both instances. But if we can provide information to help along the decision-making process, then you get, you start making more informed decisions and, uh, and better outcomes come from that. And that's, that's something that we're very focused on. Great, yeah, it's 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 cool to see. I mean, this is a this is an aspect of sport that I never really considered was under such investigation. But it's it's cool to hear about the the concepts and the applications that you're going through. So I I know you have a blog that um, has uh, articles on, around this topic um, on your website, uh, which I believe is GameTheoryGroup.com. Are there any other um, any other sources for for information our listeners can go to if they want to read more or see more? Yeah, absolutely, and I, I appreciate you mentioning it. Uh, certainly, uh, the, the website's a great uh, resource, GameTheoryGroup.com. But you, mm-hmm. we also have a, a, an active Twitter handle, which is Game Theory Group. Uh, and then our Facebook page is carrying a lot of uh, not just our work, but uh, you'll see a lot of the universities that we work with and some of the, the great experiences, not just on the field, but off the field, uh, those personal stories that you're seeing how individuals excel. Uh, and that's also can be found on Facebook at Game Theory Group. And that is the episode. Thank you, Ben, and thanks to listeners for listening. You can find some links on our website, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechCom. Thanks. <laughs> Bye.